and uh, hear him preach the word of the Lord one more time to us. We want to thank the, the local church very, very much for all that you done and all the young people have been right in the service i haven't seen a young person just staring around and watching everybody has just been right in the service and the whole time and it's it's wonderful did anybody else get the holy ghost last night i don't want to miss you if you did okay there was others but they must not be here this morning all right well let's all stand brother sullivan the president of the bible college in manila philippines and uh <laughs> and uh, my pastor and your friend now we ask him to come and preach to us one more time let's give the Lord and Brother Sullivan a hand praise the Lord hallelujah praying on Josh hallelujah 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 Praise God. The Lord is so good. Amen. Isn't he good? To give us so many blessings. Undeserving. That's what we are. Praise God. We don't deserve it. But that's just the kind of a God we serve. Amen. We're not heads. And hard to get along with. And we get cantankerous. Down in the mully grubs. And acting plumb ignorant and, and he just loves us anyway he just loves us anyway you know that the, the blessings of God are so hard for us to understand because you know I know sometimes I I got I see I'm Scotch Irish Cherokee Indian and adopted Filipino and the and, you know, a lot of people like to go around saying, well, I have trouble with the devil and the devil this and the devil that. I'm telling you, I hate for them calling themselves the devil. <laughs> because the biggest problem you have is with you. That Portuguese, sister, is the hardest thing for you to deal with. Amen. And that's Irish in me. And that Cher I was Scotch-Irish Cherokee Indian, and a nurse says, wonder I lived. She said, that's, she said, that's about 110% temper. <laughs> Amen. And, and you got that Spanish in you, that's the hardest thing for you to deal with. Or German, or Brother Kessling's German. I could kind of tell that, but look at him. Look kind of like, like Adolf Hitler, you know, a little bit, praise God. And he don't, he don't, he don't have problems with, he don't have problems with his, church you don't have problems with everyday life the biggest problem we have is dealing with ourselves we're our biggest enemy amen and uh, and we get ourselves plumb crazy and out out you know just acting plumb ignorant and do things and say things and and then later you know we're ashamed to go outside Ashamed to go back to church because we opened our mouth and said a whole bunch of stuff you know was, uh, our mouth was in gear about 10 minutes ahead of our brain And, and God still loves us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Praise God. I think after this service this morning, we're going to baptize Beth. Raylene. Raylene. Sister Raylene. Where's she at? And you're going to get baptized in Jesus' name. 
Praise God. One time in a service, a little nine-year-old, she stood up and she said, I'm so glad God saved me from a life of of, of drugs and sin and, and she was going on and on. She's only nine years old, you know. <laughs> but we never know what God is saving us from. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we have certainly enjoyed being here and Brother Kessling again and Sister Kessling and she's so kind. I'll tell you, I'm just glad he married her because she's what makes him look good. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, behind every successful pastor is a wife that fixes up everything behind him and makes him look good. And he, he gets up front and gets all the glory. But I'm telling you what, without my wife, I wouldn't have made it five minutes. That lady of mine, praise God, she is the, she's the one that puts the right touches on everything. And... Uh, Always, I'm telling you, this church, you always want to be thankful for your pastor's wife. Praise God. And I, I've watched, we pastored 17 years, and I've seen times when our church neglected my wife, and she would do so many things, and sometimes she would spend hours praying for somebody. You know, not up, they never knew it because she was never up here talking about it. She would just be quiet over on the side, and yet I'd come home, and she'd been in the bedroom praying and praying about somebody in the church, some sister having a problem, and, and they never knew it. But it was her prayers that carried them along the line. You know, many times the pastor's busy, and I'd be running with a Christian school and a church and, and trying to make sure that uh, Brother Johnson was doing his prison ministry and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, she was watching around my wife, and she was praying for those things that needed to be taken care of. So you should always lift up your pastor's wife. Praise God. This, this conference would not have been the conference that it was. It wasn't for Sister Kessling. Praise God. Amen. And sister, we want you to know we love you. Praise God. And uh, I tell you, she's always got a smile, and, and her heart is for souls. I, she touched me. She's talking about the name. I'm living in, in a house with some boy, and uh, her name is Rob. And he's a very, he's a Catholic boy. You need to pray for him. I talked to him a little bit yesterday. He keeps leaving, gone for the weekend. As long as I'm there, it seems like he's gone. Praise God. I, I took a bath and everything, you know. But, uh, but anyway, he's very busy doing a lot of things. He's a Catholic boy. And when she talked to me about it, she stood there in that vestibule. And just when she brought up his name, tears come in her eyes. You know why many of you are saved here? Because you've got a pastor's wife who is touched by the feelings of your infirmities. She cried over a boy that's not even living for God. Just, just, just her heart began to break talking about him. You know what that's called? Compassion. Amen. And we got to have that. Praise God. Amen. Well, I don't know why, but I'm a little tired this morning. Praise God. I've slowed down. Got 53 years old. I can't hardly preach over 35, 40 minutes anymore. And... Uh, Back when I was young and pastoring, well, we could have church, amen. But I've slowed down, praise God. You know, I'm getting older, <laughs> amen. And uh, Brother Kessling just took me just before church, have a nice breakfast. And uh, so if I go to sleep during this sermon, you'll understand why, praise God, amen. 
Praise the Lord. Turn with me today, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Johnson for inviting me. I tell you, I am so thrilled at what God's doing in his ministry. It makes you feel good when one of your young men go on. I got other young men who claim they were called in the ministry, but I'd rather not talk about them. Amen. And some of them hopped around and said they was called, and I knew they wasn't called, and God knew they wasn't called. If they were called, they were called by their wife. And today, they're not doing anything. I did have a kind of a hard way. I come up a hard way, and I made preachers come up a hard way. I never allowed pre young preachers to preach in my pulpit unless it was just time I was gone and they had reached the place. And uh, except on our youth night. Now, see, you left that out. Friday nights, you young boys preached. Amen. Nobody came, but you preached. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm honest. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. Sometimes I came. Amen. But uh, we had a service. and uh, But to me, if God calls you, he'll open the door. I teach our young Filipino preachers, if God calls you to preach, he'll call somebody to listen to you. Amen. If he didn't call anybody to listen to you, he didn't call you to preach. Praise God. And the, the gift makes room for the prophet. See, these guys just got to go around buttering folks up and doing all kinds of kind things to get to, get to preach something wrong. Amen. God opens the doors. Every man has a place. And don't try to be somebody else. I taught my young men, and I teach it in the Bible school today. Don't pick you out Billy Graham, Billy Graham and try to be like him. Well, I had a church full of grammars, so I said, <laughs> but don't, don't pick out Billy Graham and try to copy his way and, and try to be him. Don't get Brother Urshan, you know, and, and get his picture and hang it on your wall and walk around trying to be like him. God didn't call you to be those things. God called you to be yourself. And if God's going to use you in this end-time revival, you've got to learn to let him develop you. Amen? He's got to develop you. And uh, when he develops you, for what you are. I've always wondered why in the world they ever called me because I don't fit in any mold. Amen. I wasn't uh, uh, primed. I had no family in this thing. I had no inheritance. And, uh, and all, many times I, I'm very ignorant in the Word and very ignorant in a lot of things. But uh, when I just kind of let God use me, He, he kind of finds a place for me to work. See? Maybe it's over in those islands. Couldn't get them listed to me in the States, over in the islands. I'm trying to get them listed to me over there. Praise God. And they don't speak my language, but they like to watch me jump around. <laughs> and they like to look at my big nose. You know, boy, they, boy. My father came over there, and he has a broke, his nose been broken three times. He got a big hook. He'd have 50, 60 children following him, looking at him. Oh, Maganda Elong, beautiful nose, you know. And my dad, he thought they was talking about him. He said, oh, man, you know, he said, look at all these kids. And they run and get more kids. Come on, they're all following him around, you know. I said, Dad, it's your nose. I said, if you'd stay here, you'd have the biggest Sunday school in the whole Philippines. Because they'd all want to look at your nose. Praise God. Because they don't have a nose. And uh, they like noses. When you got noses, buddy, they know it. Praise God. And they, amen. So maybe they come to look at my nose or whatever, but in the midst of it, We've seen some great things happen, and uh, many folks received the Holy Ghost. And just last year, if I had time, maybe tomorrow in our service, we will get to kind of talk a little bit more about what God has done. Tomorrow night, 
in the service. Uh, we're going to maybe preach on a message that uh, will kind of reveal to you the power of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isaiah 6 and 8. Today we're just going to kind of take it easy, I think. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I want everybody to say, Here am I. Send me. Send me. Lord, would you please send me? Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for your this day. Thankful, God, for your kindness. And, Lord, those that received the Holy Ghost last night, thankful, God, for little Carolyn, God, that you have chosen her this day and you have put your spirit inside of her heart. And, Lord, we feel that, God, she's going to be a very, very useful tool to the work of the ministry. And we're thankful, Lord, for that. We pray, God, today that you will anoint me, touch our hearts today, move in a mighty way. God, prepare us for this end time. Help us to realize, Lord, that your word is the most powerful thing in the face of the earth. Bless us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with your neighbor and say, I love you. You may be seated. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God is certainly good. And we're living in the last days. Amen. We find that we're living in a time when the world is, is in a turmoil. People are in a turmoil. Things are taking place. Everyone realizes something is about to happen. My wife was in a store the other day and on one of the tabloids that they have, you know, the, all those weird old papers that they have as you go through that line. Uh, one of them said, Jesus is coming next week. And, of course, she said uh, to me when she come home, I said, did you buy it? She said, oh, no, I didn't buy it. I just looked at it. She said, Jesus is coming next week. And, uh, and she and said, I don't know how many people would have looked at that as they went through. And I said, well, it's a time we live in. Every place people realize that the Lord is coming very soon. Amen. The tabloids are saying it. The astronomers are saying it. The, even the occult world is talking about that there is something that is going to happen very soon. We realize that the churches are beginning to be stirred. And uh, even governments realize that things just can't keep going as they are. So if there's ever a day when we need preachers, it's today. I want to preach to you for a little while today on Preach the Word. The most powerful force there is on this whole world is a preacher. If we had time today, I could tell you a little more about the power of a preacher. You can take a city that's completely blind and put an anointed preacher in the middle of it, and it isn't long until things are stirring, revival is going, persecution is flowing, and men are walking around in, uh, uh, stirred in their souls. Amen. We find that Isaiah was uh, in a certain place. And all of a sudden, God began to talk to him. 
and give him a vision. And he showed him a vision of what was to take place. Amen. And we find that, oh, Isaiah, as he watched this vision, he began to cry out, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Amen. He said, My eyes has seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm telling you what we need today. We need some pastors. We need some men of God that have seen the Lord of hosts. We need to allow the power of God to bring us to the place where we will tremble and realize that there is no power within us, that we are men of unclean lips, and we dwell in a nation of unclean people and we need to have our hearts touched to the point that we would begin to cry out, God, send an angel from the altar and anoint my lips. God, make me a preacher. Hallelujah. Amen. And it said he went forth in Mark 16 and 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. In Timothy, he said, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. I'm telling you, there's a time now, if there's ever a time, as there is today, we need to call our young men and say it's time to preach. It's time to quit trying to build yourself a name and quit trying to be popular among everyone else. A real man of God, a real preacher, a man who has got revival burning in his heart is not the most popular man on the face of the earth. Isaiah who cried, Lord, purify my lips. Here am I, send me, was not the most popular man on the face of the earth in his day. Jeremiah who wept and wished that his eyes would become rivers of tears that would flow down. He was not the most popular man of his day. In fact, many times his preaching was neglected and cast to the wayside. When you get down and really preach about the real things of living for God, it's just not the most popular thing. But we need to pray, God, anoint us, hallelujah, and prepare us for this end time. People like to hear preaching but they don't like to hear rebuke. People like to hear preaching, but they don't like to be reproved. People like to hear preaching, but they don't want you to exhort. They like to hear all the kind things. Amen. We have flowery men today who can say all kinds of funny things when they preach and flowery things. But I'm telling you, we need preachers today that are moving with the anointing of the Holy Ghost that that word can become a two-edged sword that pierces down into the heart and sets a man's soul free. I'm telling you, we're living in a time where the 
rubber meets the road. It's time for us to pray until we see the train of God and we begin to realize how, how ungodly we are and we begin to say, God, purify me and make me a preacher. I'm telling you, church, the preaching of the Word is the most powerful thing. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. If you want to know what God gave to the church, he didn't say anywhere here where he gave us professional singers to drive around in big buses and collect all kinds of offerings and paste their hair down and look pretty and learn how to stand and hold a microphone when they sing and look all kind. I tell you why people go to singing because they don't get under conviction. Hallelujah. Amen. But he said when I looked at the church and I loved the church and I knew she needed something, he said I gave her a gift. What did he give her? He gave her apostles and he gave her prophets and he gave her pastors. Amen and he gave her teachers why for the perfecting of the church hallelujah I'm telling you church you ought to thank God for your pastor you ought to thank God that you got a teacher you ought to thank God that you got a man of God who will get an anointing and bring to you the word hallelujah hallelujah Oh, God, give us preachers, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. To preach means to herald as a public crier, to proclaim, amen, to publish and to expound the word. That's what we need in our pulpits today. We don't need storytellers. Uh, we don't need folks who can cut a lot of jokes. Uh, what we need in a pulpit, and there's nothing wrong with a few jokes, uh, and there's nothing wrong with a story. But sometimes that's all we ever hear uh, is just a bunch of stories uh, and a bunch of jokes. Uh, I'm telling you what we need is a public crier. We need somebody to sound out to this world uh, that Jesus is coming soon. Uh, hallelujah. And it might look bad today but don't worry about it God's got everything under control we need some public criers says preach it means public crier we need some crying in public it's too much preaching just going on behind closed doors there needs to be some open preaching. Amen. Just like this morning going into the restaurant, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How you doing? Amen. Everybody begin to kind of look around. <laughs> My God, what's in this place? I'll tell you what's in this place. There's preachers in this place. Hallelujah. There's public criers in this place. God has called us to preach. My uncle took that church down in Louisiana about 25 years ago. I arrived down there to preach for him. I met the ladies' auxiliary leader, and outside I said, Praise the Lord. And she said, Heidi. I said, Heidi's a book. I said, Praise the Lord. We need to get this thing outside. 
Amen. If there's ever a time that we need Holy Ghost-filled preachers, it's today. The country is sinking in sin. There's no clear voice. People are searching the land and in, in looking for the water of life. I'm telling you, they're hungry. I just came out of Florida and a church down there. Amen. In Florida, Pensacola, if you please. People who don't have all the truth, but they got hungry for God. And they begin to pray. A group got together and begin to pray. And they said, let's have a preacher preach every night. We're going to pray. Amen. Amen. Thank God for this church that had two all-night prayer meetings. You keep that up and you'll convert the Air Force base and you'll shake the city. Amen. If you don't forget about it before we leave, you pray and have a preacher preach and things happen. Amen. You pray and have the preacher preach, things happen. And they said, what we need to do, let's get us some preachers and we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're going to preach every night. Amen. They started preach praying and they started preaching seven nights a week. I'm not talking about these kind of revivals we have in UPC now that uh, these little mini things uh, that go Thursday and Friday, take Saturday off in case there's a rummage sale and come back Sunday. When we, had Pat, when we had revival in Ziegler, we had revival. We told the ladies, uh, if you're going to wash your hair, you better get it done in the morning because we're going to be at church that night. Hallelujah. <laughs> so they brought in a preacher down there. And they began to preach. Not three nights a week. Seven nights a week. Anointed with prayer. People were praying. And others were preaching. And not, you know what's happened in the last almost two years? A hundred thousand people have come from all over the world just simply to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They have flown in from Europe. They've come in from South America. They have come in from all over the U.S. Methodist, Baptist, every kind of religion you can think of. Catholics. Why? They heard that there was a preacher that's preaching every night. They didn't have to call and say, what night can I come? They knew whatever night I come, the preacher is going to be preaching and over a hundred thousand have received the Holy Ghost. I say into this church what we need today is good old fashioned preaching. Praise God. I'm telling you God is trying to do a work in this country. God's trying to start something. Amen. This morning when I got up last night before I even went to bed this uh, was on my mind as I began to think about it in Ezekiel 37. It was all about a preacher, praise God, a preacher under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Old Ezekiel was trying to bring Israel back. Amen. He lived in a time when the Word of God was almost dead. Lived in a time when the country had turned away from God. They were all doing all kinds of things. The house of God had become a place that was almost vacant. Nothing was going on. And so God got a hold of the preacher. And he said to the preacher, he said, I'm going to take you somewhere. Ezekiel 37 said, the hand of the Lord was upon me. I'm telling you what we need. We need Holy Ghost preachers that's got the hand of the Lord upon them. I'm telling you when the hand of the Lord gets upon the preacher, look out world, something's about to happen.
needs the hand of the Lord. Praise God. And old Ezekiel said, amen, it was a time in my life that I haven't forgot. Young preachers never forget the time that God reached down and put his hand upon their life. I can tell you the time that God called me to preach, working at Chrysler down on the assembly lines. Amen. I'd been reading my first thing I'd done when I got the Holy Ghost. I read Haley's Bible handbook from cover to cover. I knew nothing about the Word of God and no man to teach me. My pastor wasn't very, uh, you might say, versed in the Word of God. He knew Acts 2.38, and that was just about it. Amen. So I began to read the Haley's Bible handbook. My mother, a Baptist lady, bought it for me, gave it to me. It's the first book I ever owned, and it said, wrote in the front of it, a book is your best friend. I took that, and for the next several months, I studied it from cover to cover, every page, everything in that little handbook, I read it. Then I sat down with my Bible and I read my Bible from cover to cover. When I finished, I'll never forget, I was working on the assembly line and all of a sudden, the hand of the Lord came down upon me and I began to see visions and things were happening to me as God was saying, I'm going to take you into the valley of dry bones and I'm going to put my hand upon you and things are going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, I was in the, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Amen. And he said, not only that, he carried me out in the spirit. I'm telling you, preachers, we need to get out of that old anointing. We need to get in the prayer room and pray until God carries us out in the spirit again. I'm telling you, there's a work to be done. There's a world to win. There's a nation to convert. What we need is men with the anointing of God upon them that are walking in the spirit of the Lord. Nothing more powerful than a man of God that the spirit of the Lord is upon and his hand is upon him. Look out when that man learns to be carried by the spirit what God can do. I'm telling you something, brother. God's got to work for you in the spirit. You need to turn your life 100% over to him. You need to just open your mind. You need to take everything that you've been crowned in your head and you need to lay it over on the shelf and you need to simply say, God, here am I. Carry me out in the spirit. Hallelujah. Lord, remove my fear of others and let me just be carried out. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you, we need to get ourselves in that place with God where he'll carry us out in the spirit of the Lord. You're a chosen man for this last days, brother. You need to yield yourself 100%. You need to kill all your ideas. I feel this in my spirit. I don't say this unless I feel it. I'm telling you, brother, you are a key to a revival, but you need to get under the wing of some men and let them culture you. You need to get in that prayer place where God can carry you away in the spirit. There's a revival that's set for you that hundreds and hundreds of people are going to receive the Holy Ghost. I don't 
don't even know much about you or who you're from, but I'm telling you, this man right here, if he will get carried away in the spirit, if he will let God do something with him, he's going to take you to a valley of dry bones where there seems to be no life. But when God gets done, there's going to be a mighty work of God. You're in a schooling, brother. As the superintendent preached the other day, you're in a schooling. God is forming you. He knew you from the womb. The hand of the Lord is upon us. Let's just let God move today. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to come into here. We're going to see some things happen. Some of you young men who's had your mind blinded to the world and you don't have the backbone, you need to get carried away in the spirit. Hallelujah. Oh God, Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us this morning. I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon this organization. The Spirit of the Lord is upon this state. God's getting ready to do great things. Hallelujah. God is going to take men and He's going to mold them into some of the most powerful forces of telling you God is trying to get our attention in this conference oh hallelujah some of you young men need to lose your fear and you need to lose your nervousness and you need to say God take me away in the spirit Take me away in the spirit. Amen. Some of you older brethren, you've got the idea the devil's told you. Amen. Brother Kessling, the devil comes along and says, you're just an old wore out workhorse. But let me tell you something. Uh, old Caleb was 80 years of age uh, and he took at him and he said, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. And he picked out the strongest mountain uh, and he picked out the mountain that had the chariots of, uh, on it uh, and it had the giants on it and he said I want Hebron because Hebron means fellowship with God he said the harm of God is upon me and I'm going to take it brother Kessling I'm telling you right now the devil's a liar the hand of the Lord is upon you and he's going to carry you out in the spirit is going to use you in the gifts like it's not been used in a long time. You need to just get under the Spirit of God and let Him carry out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let Him carry us out. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Old Ezekiel said, man, I was just an ordinary prophet. I was just an everyday man. Amen. I, I was just like all the rest of them. But one day, amen, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And His hand was upon me. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the old days of just dried up Pentecost, singing a couple songs and playing on the piano and saying some little sermons is over with. Because God is sending His hand into Idaho. And He's going to put His hand upon the ministry. He's going to raise Him up. And He's going to carry Him out. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Shekinah glory is beginning to flow around in here. God is coming to incubate among us, hallelujah, and to hover over us. I'm telling you, God is going to do something in this state, hallelujah. Praise God, he's going to stir us, amen, because the hand of the Lord is upon you. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And he wants to carry you in the spirit. He wants to carry you. I'm telling you, Brother Johnson, when you reach that place, and God comes in and gets a hold of you and starts to carry you out in the spirit. Things are going to take place in your church and your ministry like you've never dreamed possible. The power of a preacher. I'm telling you, the Lord is wanting to come into this service today. Yes, he is. The man of God said, He carried me. Where did he carry me? He carried me into the valley, which was full of bones. I want you to notice that God, the Spirit of the Lord, never carried him to the castle. The Spirit of the Lord never carried him to a banquet. The Spirit of the Lord never carried him down to a grassy plain. But it took the man of God and it carried him down to a valley that to the world was dead and desolate. A place where wars had been fought and men had died. And there was bones were bleached upon the sands by the millions as they laid around. He didn't carry him, you might say, down to an easy place, but it took him to a hot, dry place. When I look around this state as I flew in and as I drove through this road in the car each day, I look out and I see a hot, dry place. I see the deadness and the brownness of no water and the thirsting that's in the land. No better place for the Spirit of the Lord to carry a man to. Hallelujah. And he told him and set him down in the middle of that place. I remember right after your superintendent received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Was it but just a short period of time? And he sat down with me 
and he said, someday I am going to Idaho. He said, I cannot get away from that place. He talked about Idaho, and down in Illinois, we didn't know where Idaho was, except written on a pack of, a, 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 a sack of potatoes. Hallelujah. Amen. But way back there, the Spirit of the Lord had put his hand upon him. Amen. Where are you going? Am I going to put you in an easy church? Am I going to put you in a nice place? Are you going to re receive a nice offering when you arrive? No, he said, I'm going to set you down in the middle of a dead place. I'm going to take you where there's nothing but dryness. I'm going to take you where the spirit is gone and dead. And I'm going to place you in the middle of that. I'm telling you, when God puts his hand upon us, places is in that place. I'm telling you, God is going to be bringing men from all over with his hand upon them. In the valley of dry bones, it's no place for a coward. In the valley of dry bones, it's no place for a man who doesn't understand the moving of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, Ezekiel stood there that day and he looked all around. And the Bible said that he was, he looked, he said, I passed by and around about him. He said, I kind of walked around and I looked at him and God had put me here and I looked at this bone and I went over and looked at that bone and he said I looked at another one he said I just kind of walked all around that area and I thought what's God got me here for look at all these bones and he said when I looked at them they were very dry they were very dry there was no life there was no sign of life there was nothing there that you could rejoice over or even get in a spirit about and God spoke to him and God spoke to him amen and he said unto me amen he said you looked them all over Amen. I'm asking you, Brother Kessling, you look this area all over. Brother Johnson, you look this area all over. Amen. Have you looked all around? Praise God. And people come by and say, where are you from? Well, I'm from Idaho. Oh, we've heard about Idaho. Dead. Hallelujah. Dead. Man, that's a great place to kill a preacher. That's a great place to bury a ministry. But what they don't realize, amen, when a man has the hand of God upon him, Amen. And they're leading him in the spirit. Hallelujah. And they're laying in the middle of the dry bones. Oh, Ezekiel said, as he looked around, and he said, My Lord, these bones are dry. These bones are dead. And God said to him, Son of man, can these bones live? Preacher. Can your city live? Preacher, can it come to life? Can you be the biggest church in the city? Well, I don't know. Maybe if the Air Force would transfer in some more men, you know, that's full of the Holy Ghost that somebody else worked on, maybe we could do it. I don't know, God. Lord, look at him. They're pretty dead, you know. 
Amen. Pretty dry. <laughs> you know, you know, we're now come on now, Brother Selvin, don't put too much on us. You know, out here in Idaho, we're, we, you know, we, this is not known as a revival area. This is not North Carolina. Amen. You know, so don't get all uh, getting the pressures on us. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, you got to realize uh, a two soul revival out here, man. I'm telling you, it makes a front page. That's what Ezekiel said. He said, they're very dry. Sometimes we pastors, amen, we land in places. I've been there before when I went to Ziegler, amen. Church was dead. Nobody was there. And many times I asked God, my wife and God, I said, what am I doing here? Amen. This place is dead. I mean, there's a church every five miles. Anywhere you want to go, throw a rock. And here you put this old ignorant guy right down the middle of this thing. Hallelujah. What are you here for? He said, I've got a work for you to do, and I'm going to teach you something. In that prayer book that I have out there to sell, this is one of the things you'll learn in that prayer book. When the man of God, when God spoke to him, and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? How many times does God ask our pastors, can these bones live? I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than preaching the word. In my prayer book, that's what God showed me. That's what's brought revival to the Philippines when we begin to pray. He said, you pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, precious, be thy name. Oh, you're the provider. You're Jehovah Shalom. You're the God of peace. Your provision is always seen. And you begin to praise him. And then he said, you pray, thy kingdom come. So many times we think we are the kingdom builder. We run from city to city, bookstore to bookstore, conference to conference, looking for a new idea, for something that we can build the kingdom out of there's nothing wrong with getting new ideas but we need to realize he said thy kingdom come thy will be done we are not the one that builds the church for unless the spirit draw them Unless the Spirit draw them, they cannot come. Unless the Spirit draw them, you can drag them by the hair, by the toes, by the feet. You can go back and get them and knock them down, sit on top of them, kick them, stomp them. You can do whatever you want to do, put them in handcuffs, chain them to the altar. But you can't do one thing until the Spirit And dry, dead, dull preacher never brings the Spirit. Dry, dead, dull preaching only brings dry, dead, dull saints. Hello? Patty cake for Jesus only brings patty cake for Jesus. Saints, I'm telling you, we've got to get the Spirit of the Lord upon.
Now, he might have tried to analyze it. Maybe if we got some super glue. You know, maybe we could spend the rest of our life trying to figure out which bone goes to which bone and which one goes to where and, and, and where the head thing goes, you know, on the foot. And it's this one, you know. Then we'd have one leg longer than the other. And we'd say, man, Lord, we got the wrong parts here. I could go back and get some more parts, put them all together. You know, sometimes that's the way we do. We figure out now, if I can just organize, you know, and I can just do all these kind of things and get my church just right, you know, and, and I can just get this one and that one and do that one there. Amen. And, and if I can, uh, you know, get the right offices and everybody's got the right title on the door you know and we have uh, the director and all those things are good but they have nothing to do with building the church of the living God amen because the Bible said when he asked the man of God why can these bones live he looked at God and he said thou knowest I'm telling you, when I look at this city and I can pray, I don't say, God, I, I bless what I'm going to do. But I say, God, I love thee. this is your kingdom. Hallelujah. Let your will be done. I, I know it's your will that no man should perish, but every man everywhere should come unto repentance. Oh, God, let me get in the spirit. Let me get in tune with what you want to do. Let me get where I need to be. Hallelujah. And I know thou knowest what can be done here, hallelujah. When pastors reach that place uh, that they turn loose of the church uh, and turn it over to God uh, and say, Lord, thou knowest what can be done in this place. Uh, somehow let it happen uh, and let me flow with it. Who oh, said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Oh, he said, Praise God. See, he was under the Spirit. And he said, Amen. Thou knowest. Amen. Lord God, thou knowest. Thou knowest. And I've said it before. God never called a man to preach that he don't call people to listen to him. Paul stood outside the city and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and sent a vision and said, God, and said, Paul, don't you fear anything. Walk into that city because I've got much people there. Hey, man, what was he saying? And Paul maybe looked at the city and all he saw was dry bones and he saw heathenism and he saw kind of perversions and homosexuals, you know, going around in their little mini dresses and waving and makeup on and all that kind of stuff. And he saw these lips lesbians that walk around like men you know and smoking cigarettes out the corner of their mouth and he might look and said my God what are you sending me here for they're worshiping every kind of God there is but when he got in the spirit and the Lord moved in close he said hey my hand is upon you and I got a church in that place I'm telling you what God is trying to move in close to the ministry and he's trying to let them know hey I got many people in that place and my hand is upon you I'm telling you, when we leave here today, let's leave a new person. Hallelujah. And he said to him, he said, oh, you know, mm, let your will be done. 
Praise God. He was right out, standing on the verge of the biggest revival of his day. Amen. Everybody else walked on by the place. Everybody else just shook their head, clicked their tongue, and said, my Lord, what a bad place this is, dead and dry. But here was the man of God with the hand of the Lord upon him. And he realized God was going to teach him something about the work of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And he stood out there. He said, God, I'm not giving you any answers. I'm not going to boss you around. He said, you know all about it. And you just tell me. Hallelujah. The Bible said, amen, that the Lord began to give him the keys to revival. The key to revival. And again he said unto me, prophesy. Prophesy. Preach. 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 Nothing more powerful than a preacher. I said nothing more powerful than a preacher. Nothing more powerful than a man under the anointing of God. These dry bones, they need some medical help. No, all they need is a preacher. Amen. They don't need a singer. They don't need anything else. They can make it without a lady's auxiliary. They can make it without a men's auxiliary. They can make it without a Sunday school apartment. All they need, he said, is somebody to preach under the dry bones. I'm telling you what God needs today, men of God, that will simply preach to the dry bones. And when that anointed word goes out, it's like a two-edged sword. It'll pierce right through, and it'll touch the hearts. And without the foolish of preaching, some can be saved. Amen. And he began to prophesy. He said, preach to these dry bones. I can see old Ezekiel out there. He was prophesying. Hallelujah. He had him maybe a little rock he was standing on. And he was preaching. And people passed by. And they said, my Lord, what in the world is that little old guy doing out there? He's out there preaching to a bunch of old dry bones. Amen. Don't you realize nobody's listening? That's what you think. Because power. There's power. There's power in your words. There's power. There's power. There's power in preaching. When you preach healing, you get healing. When you preach Holy Ghost, you get Holy Ghost. Amen. Because the word will not return void. When you send it out, it'll come back with a leaf. When you send it out, you'll come back with some proof. When you send it out, it'll do its work. Hallelujah. And the bones, amen, begin to hear what the preacher had to say. Preaching. I'm telling you, you can build churches on preaching. You can convert cities on preaching. Apostle Paul walked into the city, said, I perceive that you're a bunch of superstitious, ignorant people. But he said, I'm coming to tell you about an unknown God. What are you going to do? Hey, man, you're going to bring uh, uh, some kind of a new thing in here? No, he said, I'm just going to tell you some things. Got up on that old po podium uh, called the unknown God. <laughs> and he said, I, I'm going to declare this guy to you. What did he do? He just began to preach. <laughs> hey, man, as he began to preach, uh, I'm telling you, the high people of that city, the bones begin to get wet. Hallelujah. Things begin 
begin to happen. Ah, praise God. With preaching, I'm telling you, what we need today is good preachers. Woo! Preaching brings life. Peter on the day of Pentecost, Jews all over the city, thought them bunch of hillbillies was a bunch of nobodies, couldn't figure out what the fire was, shook the building, things happened around that place, they all gathered in, Peter didn't come out and give them a philosophy, he didn't ask Susie to stand up and sing special. He didn't say, now we're going to do the white tootsie and have the praisers and dancers come out with their tambourines with horse tails hanging off of them doing the hoochie-coochie, hallelujah. But the Bible said he didn't get up and start an argument and he didn't open up for a debate. Amen. But he just simply walked under the anointing with God's hand on him. Amen. There's nothing greater than walking out on that pulpit, brother, with the hand of God on you. Woo! Shalomahata! He began to preach. See, Jerusalem at that time was a retirement community for the Grecian Jews, or the Hellenists, they called them. The Hellenist Jews had come. They were the rich Jews from all over the world, and it had become a retirement community for the higher uh, group of the Jewish people. These were the fellows who knew everything, you know. Hey, man, they, were the, they had retired, and they had, they had spent their life studying. These were the, were the high and the best that, Jerusalem, that Jews, Judaism, Judaism had to offer. And when they heard this, they come walking down there with their pharisaical robes on. Amen. And their, their religious out, outlook. They were dead and dry. And Jesus said, you're whited sepulchers and you're full of dead men's bones. He said, you're dead and you're dried up. And when you make a convert, you make him twofold child of the devil more than yourself. You talk about a hard place to preach. You talk about a dry bone area. That was a dry bone area. But when the man of God come out with the hand of the Lord upon him, hallelujah, and the Bible said uh, he began to preach uh, that old ignorant hillbilly come down out of the hills uh, under the anointing of God uh, and he began to preach. I'm telling you, it's time to preach.
the spirit of Lord's work. Let it go. I'm telling you, we need to preach. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preachers need to lift up God. I don't care. It don't matter to me. I didn't ask you to stand up, so you can stand up if you want to. Shout if you want to. They went to Peter that day before and said, Peter, you think this city can be converted? He said, my, my. We're even afraid to go outside. You know, after all, I spent a few days cursing the Lord. You know, hallelujah. Amen. You think you can take this city? And he looked around out there and he said, Whew. That's all those retired hardheads. Hallelujah. I mean, they're, they're dyed in the wool. I mean, they're, I mean they're, they're baked in this thing. I mean, they, hey, boy, they've walked in the law since the day that they have come through the womb. Since they were eight days old, they have been dedicated to the law, and these old boys are tough. I don't know, but that day, on the day of Pentecost, when the hand of the Lord got on him, amen, and it walked out under the power of the Holy Ghost, and it began to preach 3,000 people begin to shake bones begin to move hallelujah praise God bone to bone there was a trembling and a shaking preaching to cause a trembling and a shaking hallelujah Ezekiel began to preach. Bible said he preached. Amen. He said, preach in them old bones. Praise God. And oh, he began to preach into the dry bones. And, and he said, hear the word of the Lord. Amen. What we need is preachers to preach the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm so sick and tired of preachers getting up and bragging on themselves and everybody else and talking about everything in the world. But the word of the Lord. There's only one preaching that'll do the work, and that's the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. When you get in the word and you're preach the word. From the time God called me, I've tried to preach the word because I realize anything else won't work. You can talk about whatever. You can lift up organizations. You can lift up other men and it won't do anything. But when you get in the word, when you get in the word, when you get in the word, said when it preached unto them all oh, ye dry bones hear the word of the Lord thus saith the Lord God unto these bones 
Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. You see, the Jehovah Witness has the right idea. They said every man and woman that's converted into Jehovahism is a preacher. It's a preacher. You know why they're growing? You know why they're building churches in three days? All over St. Louis every weekend, they meet somewhere and build a new sanctuary. Every time they reach 200 people, they divide, they split. They never let a Jehovah's Witness church get over 200. And every time 200, they split. Half goes to another side and they preach and they preach. Even though they have false doctrine, even though it's hard to believe all that mess, and when you read one of their books, you feel like you're standing on their head, your head. But they just keep preaching. And preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. You can even preach false doctrine long enough and folks will believe it. Adolf Hitler said, if you tell a lie enough times, somebody will believe it. Why is it the church of the living God who has the power of the word of God is so silent? When you get that Bible study chart under your arm and you're going out to the house, you're not going out there to show them pretty pictures and read to them a few stories. But God has sent you there to get under the anointing of the Spirit. So you begin to preach. You preach the word. Hallelujah. And the word does its work. It's yet to be seen what one anointed man with a Bible study chart could do on this Air Force base. I mean, he's got a card. I can't get inside. He's got a card. He can get inside. He can drive through the gate, man. I'm telling you, just sloop and all that stuff. Right on in the gate. He's got the card. Right in. Undercover agent for Jesus. Wearing one of them blue suits with the funny little things on the top of it. The hat's too big for him, you know. Put your hand up on sides of it. Praise God. Here he goes. It's just not an ordinary, everyday Air Force man. It's just not one of those tweets or one of those electronic engineers or a fellow that watches scope going around and around and little white dots on it. It's not one of those guys just an admin type not one of those fellows out there working on a missile. But he's an undercover agent. He's walking around the valley looking. What do you see out there? Oh, my Lord, I see dry bones. So I refuse to preach because always these dry bones when God has put you in the place. God has given you the card. God's put you in there. Amen. Give you the little Bible study chart. Praise God. Put the word of God under the other arm. Hallelujah. And there you are. And all you see is dry bones. And God's saying, can they live? Can they live? Can they live? Hallelujah. Well, I don't know, God. <laughs> Amen. They look pretty dry to me. But thou knowest. What's the key? What's the key? Uh, do I offer them a hot dog? Do I give them buy them a soda? Do I take them down to the PX? And we have a French fry and a, and a Big Mac. Hallelujah. Amen. What do I do? And God's saying, preach. 
preach. <laughs> and when he began to preach, bones began to move. The Bible said there was a noise. So I prophesied as I commanded. Amen. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. I'm telling you, when you get under the anointing of God and you begin to preach, there's a noise. The Bible said on the day of Pentecost, when they begin to preach, it was noised abroad. Hallelujah. There was a noise in the place. Preaching makes noise. Bones begin to move. Things begin to happen. People begin to weep. There's a boning. This life begins to come to them when we preach. Hallelujah. And he said to them, I'll tell you what to do. He said, preach unto them. Acts 4 and 30. The Bible said that it shook the house where they were. Preaching, preach to the lost, preach to the dying, preach to the sinner, and you'll hear a noise. And then it said to him, Prophesy under the wind. I'm telling you, Pastor, you preach the Holy Ghost, you'll get the Holy Ghost. My little old preachers on my Bible school, they come on Monday mornings, and invariably every Monday morning I'll ask them, y'all went to church? Yes, sir. How many saw somebody get the Holy Ghost? Four, five, six of them raised their hand. I said, why the rest of you even have church? Why'd you even have church? Nobody got the Holy Ghost? Nobody got healed? Wasted your time. We've lost the principle of having church. We call it having church. That's all we do, have church. But every time the church comes together, it comes together to see blood cover sin. Every time it comes together, it comes to have the word prophesied. It comes to have bones be moved. God only comes to has us come together for something to happen. He never has us come together for just a little old Sunday morning, get together Sunday boring, old Sunday school lesson, and so we can all go out to the smorgasbord together and tell each other how much we love you. I'm telling you what, God is telling the church, it's time to preach to the wind. It's time to preach to the bones. It's time to bring repentance into the house of God. It's time to preach to the wind. He said, prophesy, prophesy. The old man of God under the anointing was prophesying to the north and to the south and to the east and the west. And he was saying, wind, come into this place. It's time to start preaching the Holy Ghost. Last night we had three or four got the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine what would have happened if you folks would have done like I said and every one of you would have brought a visitor? Do you know how many people got the Holy Ghost last night? Because we were prophesying to the wind. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you imagine how many people, if we'd have brought 100 sinners last night, uh, we'd have probably had 75 or so receive the Holy Ghost last night because we prophesied and the wind came in. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, you want people to get the Holy Ghost? Preach on the, on the wind. Hallelujah. Preach on the Holy Ghost. You know why we don't see miracles? We don't preach on them. If we do, it's something that happened way back there. I've heard people say, oh, I remember when I came into this thing. My Lord, I've seen miracles 42 and three-fourths years ago. My God used to move. It's a shame he died. 
It's a shame his power was all drained out in the 50s. Hello. See, God's power has never changed. It's the preaching. Yeah. It's the preaching. We spend all of our time tuning folks, looking for something we can get on to. Hallelujah. Got our eyeballs, you know, inspecting, looking. What can I find? You know, I can preach. You can preach on gossip. You can preach on, and it won't stop gossip. You can preach online. It won't stop lying. You can preach on all those things. It won't change a thing. But you get down, and you start preaching on the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you start preaching to the wind. And when the wind comes in, hallelujah, all those things go out. <laughs> Praise God. When, those, when that spirit came in, those dry bones and flesh began to come on them. Hallelujah. And they begin to back their eyes. And then he said, let the wind come in. I'm telling you, it wasn't long the Bible said that the man who stood alone now stood with a multitude. I said, the man who stood alone when he preached to the wind, before he knew it, he was preaching to a multitude. Hallelujah. They were rising out of the dust. They were climbing over rocks. They were coming out of caves. They were coming from everywhere. As we stand this day and lift our hands. I'm telling you, it's time to preach to the wind. Hallelujah. We had Acts 2 4 right here. We preach the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We need to come into our churches. We need to go up and down our streets and our community. And we need to preach the Holy Ghost. We need to get Bible study charts. We need to go on the base. We need to preach the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 We need to talk the Holy Ghost. Breathe the Holy Ghost. Speak the Holy Ghost. Sleep the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Every time somebody sees us, we ought to be prophesying. Hallelujah. To the wind. Come on in, God. Let your will be done. Come on in, Spirit. Come on in. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Let's lift our hands. Oh, God. Hallelujah. We've heard enough preaching to change us. 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 We need to make sure before we leave this place that it has. We need to make sure before we leave this place that it has. We need to seek God right now and make sure that it has. It can't be business as usual. It can't ever be the same again. We can never be the same again. It, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right if we were ever the same ever again. Saints of God, you need to work your cities more than you ever have. The preachers need to work their cities more than we ever have. We can't be the same. All this preaching was not for nothing.
One more time. One more time. Let's seek God. You can do it as you are and standing or you can kneel or you can walk around this place. But you need to make sure that this was not just a sermon that came and landed for a little while and then flittered away. But what we've heard this week has got to change us. It's got to change me. I've got to be changed. I've got to be changed. We must be changed. We must be changed.